Bible. Anybody have an idea of how many prayers are in the Bible? You'll get different numbers depending on who you look at because how they, depending on how they count them. But uh, one of the most common numbers you'll see is this. In the Bible, there are about 650 prayers that are listed. Some break it down and they take out maybe some smaller references to prayer and really identify the ones where it's an easily identifiable prayer. And that shows about 250 prayers where we can say this man or this woman prayed this way at this time. And they go all the way from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. And prayer is a critical part of our spiritual journey. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul writes this, continue steadfastly in prayer. I think the NIV says, be devoted in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. First Thessalonians chapter 5 Verses 16 through 18, Paul says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All three of those things, Paul says, need to be a continual part of our life, that we are filled with joy, that we continually pray, and that we are filled with gratitude. In Luke chapter 11 Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Prayer is the consistent theme of Scripture. We all know that, yet the truth is, when you hear there's going to be a sermon series on prayer, for many Christians, it's like, oh, I need to do better. I mean, right off the bat, we start feeling kind of guilty, like, I'm not there, and oh my goodness, and I believe that we need to understand that improvement is definitely necessary and possible, but we also need to realize that, that we should not let the enemy have victory over us because of an area of weakness in our life. Let's determine today that we're going to become people of prayer. How many of you join me in that? And not out of guilt, but out of joy. It is something that will improve your life and make it better. And I'm going to try today to help put a foundation for the next three weeks. We're going to be talking about prayers of the Bible and looking specifically at some, some illustrations. And uh, today I've got you about six or seven that we're, that we're, I'm just mentioning. You can look them up later there in the notes. So you can go find the reference points I gave you that where they are in the Bible. And uh, the next few weeks we'll be looking specifically at a prayer in the Bible. But today we're going to look at prayer and some general principles of it. Prayer is demonstrated, encouraged, and commanded in some way in almost every book of the Bible, many times repeatedly. 
Paul mentions prayer 41 times. That's, that's incredible. That's something we should take note of. Jesus, we see him 25 times in his life where it talks about him praying. It was not something that was occasional. It was not something that was casual. It was intentional. It was regular. It was part of his life. When you read through the Psalms, depending again on who you're looking at and what count you, you look for, there's somewhere between 50 and 120 prayers in the book of Psalms. That tells us how important prayer is. It also gives us a place to go and look if you're needing help with your prayer life. Now, be careful what you're reading because some of the prayers that David gives or that come from the Psalms, some of them they come when there's anger. Don't pray the angry prayer. Some of them come when there's questions. And I've always said this, God's big enough to handle your questions. You don't have to try to cover it up or pretend it's not there. I heard a really funny story the last couple of weeks. One of my friends, he's talking about ignoring problems doesn't make them go away. And uh, I'll have to tell him I told this story. I'll see him tomorrow. He was mopping his floor, which is a good thing for husbands to do for wives, or at least that's what I've heard anyway. I don't necessarily take any credit for that. But he was mopping the floor and uh, the, the, the mop was still just a little bit wet. So he put it in the sink for it to sit there while it was kind of drying out or whatever. And his wife came in to do something in the kitchen and she needed the sink. And she walks in and rather than noticing the spick and span spotless floors, all she notices is there's a mop in my sink. And so it's the sink that has two sides, and she takes the mop, and she moves it to the other side, and does what she needs to do in her side. And when she gets done, she moves the mop back. Like, I don't even know why it's there, but I'm just whatever. And so he said for the next 10 days, that mop stayed in the sink with neither one of them wanting to move it. Because he said, I felt like after I mopped the floor, the least she could have done was put it away. And she's thinking the least he could have done was finished his job. My friends said they had community groups over the house and the mops going back and forth from one side to the other as it's being needed to be used for the sinks being used. And people say, why is that mop there? And they would both simply go, there is no mop there. You're imagining that. His point was they ignored the problem, but it never got fixed until somebody dealt with it. If you have a question or a doubt in your life, go to God with it. It may not be immediately solved. Part of the journey of walking by faith, by definition, is you keep believing when you don't understand, when you don't see. And it's not that there's this template that fits every situation. Faith means trusting him anyway. There's Psalms, there are prayers in the Psalms. There are hundreds of examples of prayers in the Bible. Here's seven from the Old Testament. Genesis 18, Abraham prayed for Lot in Sodom. Exodus 32, Moses prayed for the Israelites. Psalm 51, David prayed a prayer of repentance. Uh, 1 Kings 18, Elijah prayed for God's name to be known. Boy, that's a great prayer. Uh, Hezekiah prayed for divine intervention, 2 Kings 19. Jehoshaphat prayed for God's intervention in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 5 through 12. I don't know if you were here, if you remember, I preached that sermon not long after COVID hit. 
And what the verse says, that, that when, when Jehoshaphat prayed, I made that prayer, my prayer during that season. Jehoshaphat said this, God, we don't know what to do. But we're going to trust in you at all times. And you're going to bring us through. There are times we don't know what to do. That's a great time to pray, First Chronicles chapter 20. Jonah prayed from the belly of a fish. Jonah chapter 2. Prayer is the foundation for a relationship with God. Prayer is the foundation for a relationship with God. In the human world, what's the foundation of a relationship with another person? You could probably go a few different words here. I'm going to put in a bigger word just called communication. If you don't communicate, you never have relationship. And if you start a relationship but communication is lacking, you're not going to have a growing relationship. Now, communication can take on several different forms. I'm not saying that you've got to be talking all the time. Sometimes there is communication that is, that is, is uh, not spoken Sometimes it's in body language and different things that we do. But just communicating is essential to your human relationships and prayer, which is communication with God, is essential to your spiritual relationship. Prayer must be a habit but never a ritual. Let me explain what I mean by that. A ritual is something we go through that over a period of time typically loses thought or purpose. And it becomes a routine that we do almost without thinking. God wants us to pray continually, but to do it with the right attitude. I heard Pastor Kevin say yesterday, he had taught this to the youth, and I thought it's so good, I'm going to bring it in today for all the adults. Five key habits for a successful life. Number one, read. How many of you read the Word of God this last week? Read at least one, maybe New Testament book or something like that. Did you see when you did it how easy it is to do? Isn't it kind of crazy? The devil will tell us, you know, it's hard to read the Bible. You can't understand it. You should just not even try. All you got to do is just read the book of Philippians. It'll help your life. Go back and read one of the Old Testament books like Ruth or Jonah. It'll change your life. So I don't understand all of it. Well, neither do I. That's okay. Just let the word become alive in you. Learn to read. And number one, read the word of God. Not only read, but pray. I'll, I'll share this in a minute. But Jesus expects us to pray. Give. By the way, a couple of notes on that. And we'll have our victory rally at the end of the month, Sunday night, October 30th. And man, we are going to celebrate that night because God has done some incredible things in our church in the last year. One of my concerns about our church, very honestly, is this, that the Lord has helped us do so many incredible things that sometimes I feel like we, we take it for granted. Don't celebrate it to the level that we should. Let me give you for an example, and I, I'll, I'll see how you respond to this. This will prove my point, or maybe you can prove me wrong right now. I would love that. This last Wednesday night, we had our general superintendent from Equatorial Guinea here, and uh, we've already give, we already gave last month prior to that over $45,000 to missions cash in the month of September. We gave about 85000 at the banquet for Nicaragua and for Africa Tabernacle or Bible College in Equatorial Guinea. 
And so we've, we've given a lot of money. And some people go, oh my goodness, nobody can give anything. I don't know what you can or can't give. I don't have access to any of your checking records or your banking records. I never pressure you to give. Amen? But I never apologize. I just say, here's something we want to do. And I, some of you are probably going to give to Convoy of Hope today. And you should do that. It will be a great help for people that are down there. But last Wednesday night, on a Wednesday night, when I think there was about 160 adults in the room, over $4,500 was given to help build a wall in Equatorial Guinea. I think I'm right, because that was like a real nice, polite golf clap. Oh, that's so good. Thank you, thank you. That's exciting. We, as a church, do so much to impact our community and to impact the world, and it's because, number one, God is faithful. How many of you just understand this principle? You can't give what he doesn't put in your hands. Everything you have is from his hands. There's a prayer. I'm deciding which ones I want to do for sure. And I'm, there, there's three or four I'm debating on. One of them is the prayer of David when he says, Oh, God, we thank you. And who are we that we're able to give in this manner? He thanks God that they're able to give because it means that you have received. And it's not about equal giving. It's equal participation, equal involvement. And I think sometimes... Things can become routine if we're not careful, and we forget to see the value and the beauty in what's there. Probably because I've been thinking about this all week. I was thinking about it as I was driving into the office this morning, and I was just thinking, God, thank you for trees. God, thank you for the clouds. Thank you for the sun that shines, brings life to the earth. Thank you for air to breathe. Thank you for water to drink. Thank you for food to eat. Thank you for clothes to wear. Thank you for a car to drive. I, I thought by that point someone would be standing up clapping at least. Do you realize just how we can get so desensitized to the blessings of God because we see them with such regularity? You know, one of the ways to prevent that is every day giving God thanks for his blessings. And you know that little list I just got out right there? Those are all like the minor leaguers. That's the A league. We're not even up to AAA yet, much less the major leagues. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for forgiveness. On and on to think of the blessings of God. And if we're not careful, prayer becomes a ritual. It should always be a habit. In, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says some things there. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And he uses this phrase two or three times in there. He says, when you pray, not if you pray. He says, when you fast, not if you fast. And by the way, if there's anything that people look at ritualistically, often it's fasting because it should not be about this, this legalistic mindset of what I'm doing. The purpose of fasting is not as much in what you give up as it is in what you pursue. If you don't eat food for a couple of days, but you don't pray or draw near to God, you are not fasting, you're dieting. And a bad diet, by the way. 
And sometimes, for some of us, it might be easier to give up something like that. Instead, we should give up things that, not just for a day or two, but that need to be out of our life completely, like grumbling, like gossiping. You're a shouting church today. I love it. Your silence condemns you. What if we replaced our grumbling and our gossiping with praise? with encouragement. See, God, God created us as the only creature that has power of speech. And it's powerful. Your speech is powerful. The good or the evil that it can do. What if we said, I'm going to take my words in the proper direction Jesus expects you to pray, expects you to fast, expects you to give all of those things. In Matthew chapter says, when you pray, when you give, when you fast. You can read that part later. Let me tell you four things quickly. Wow, time got away today. This is going to be fast, okay? So hang in there with me. Pray continually, not occasionally. Prayer is a defining practice of a Christ follower. You cannot tell me you are a follower of Christ if you do not pray. Because when I look at the life of Christ, it is one of the identifying marks of who he is. He prayed in the morning. He prayed in the evening. He prayed through the day. He prayed in a time of crisis. Jesus prayed. And if you are a follower of Christ, you will pray too. I want to encourage you, number two, and I pray continually. Pray regularly throughout the day and develop prayer triggers. Like get this, get this habit in your mind. When you wake up, thank you, God, for this day that you're going to give me. May I be used of you. Would you guide my steps? How about when you have food? This is not done as much as it used to be done. And often in the church world, prayer over a meal, for many people in my experience, has become very ritualistic and almost thoughtless. We just kind of babble something out because that's the right thing we're supposed to do. Can I tell you, people have, have gotten bothered by this in the past. They're afraid they're not going to pray right. And, and there's not a wrong or right prayer. Pray from your heart, but make your prayer based in this, God, thank you. God, thank you. God, you are such an incredible provider. God, thank you. When you pray over a meal, give thanks to God for his blessing. Build in some triggers. If you hear a, a siren go off, that means somebody's in trouble. Pray, God, whoever that is in response to, be with them and help them right now. Be thoughtful about the things around you. As I said earlier, when you're driving along and you happen to see a bird flying by above, say, God, thank you for all of creation and for the beauty of your handiwork. Look for triggers that cause you to give thanks and to praise God for his goodness. Develop prayer triggers in your life. Pray immediately when you feel prompted. This is something I've tried to do consistently over the last several years, when someone says, hey, will you pray with me about whatever? Maybe years ago, I'd go, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then I'd forget, and then I'd feel guilty, and then I'd see them, and I'd real quick, oh, God, help them. Yeah, I prayed for you. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. 
So I've just said, you know what, let's make this easy. Let's pray right now. By the way, the Bible teaches that it's not because you work up the right emotion in prayer that your prayer gets answered. We all tend to kind of think this a little bit. We want the guy praying for us not to simply say, God, intervene and meet this need. We want the guy to say, oh, God, you see the need. And if they do that, well, there's something more happening because they prayed like that. Wow, that was really good. Now, I'm not trying to make fun or poke at anybody right here. I'm simply telling you God's not nearly as impressed by those things as we are. The simple prayer that is prayed in faith gets the job done. One of the, when you pray that Jesus said, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, he said, when you pray, don't think that God answers because you use enough words. Somehow he says, oh, that, they prayed for four minutes, and that, that prayer had a five-minute limit on it, so no, nope, not doing that one. They need to go one more minute, and they would have got it. By the way, the, the, the modern parallel for that is Facebook saying, sending up prayers, give us more prayers. If we get enough, maybe he'll do it. God, deliver us. To think that prayer is something we have to work or conjure. Prayer is connecting with God, and it is powerful. Don't make it so petty that it's something that, that, that can be measured in that way. Pray continually, not occasionally. Establish an appointment with God. Pray sincerely, not mechanical. The greatest prayer is the one that is heartfelt. Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells this story. He tells a story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. The people who said, well, if something needs to be done, if a prayer needs to be made, I'm your guy because I have the best prayer life. I get the job done. You need me to pray for you. Or maybe we think that about someone else. We need that one to pray for us. And Jesus said he gave this story because of those who had confidence in their own ability and they scorned everyone else. He said two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, a religious man, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I think he probably played, prayed it loudly. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. This, this goes, you guys know the phrase, a humble brag. This goes far, far beyond that to a, a critical prayer. Under the guise of praying and thanking God, he criticizes everybody around him. He judges them harshly. And he says, I thank you. I'm not like all these people, and especially not like, like tax collector. Then he rolls out all of the good things he does. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. You know what Jesus says when someone prays that kind of prayer? And I died on the cross. You want to keep going? I mean, seriously? Oh, Lord, I drove 300 miles this week just to do your ministry. He, he just, he's got one, he throws at us. I died on the cross. Next. And you're never going to get there. 
He prays this prayer, and the Bible goes on. Jesus goes on to say, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. God's not waiting for your update. The mechanical prayer that has no thought. God, we're praying for Bob, who's in room 212 down at this hospital, and he's got this disease and this problem, as if God didn't know that. Are you making an announcement, or are you praying? Now, I think there's reason for specific prayer, but it's not because God's lacking in some capacity. It helps us remember. It helps us function and focus on what we're talking about, but God's not impressed by the details of your mechanical prayer. Mechanical prayers, according to Matthew 6, they are hypocritical and they are valueless even if you see results. Well, it must have been a good prayer because it worked. Prayer is not about working. Prayer is about connecting. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. If we are connected to him, we have life. Talking about people that had <clears throat> the mechanics down, but Jesus condemns them in Matthew 7. Again, still in the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your names. In other words, we got the results. Oh, we must be doing right because look at how our prayers are getting answered the way we're asking them. Now, I believe God answers prayer. But prayer is not primarily concerned with getting results. We, we've tried to shift the focus around here the last several years. Because in my experiences growing up in church my whole life, when we had prayer time, pretty much most of what prayer time was always about, who is sick, who is traveling? Who has a problem? Okay, let's pray. And so we gather up all the issues of the concerns of our life, but rarely do we ever take time to acknowledge the goodness of God or the faithfulness of God, or do we ever repent of our sins? Rarely do we confess our need for him. Just kind of, God, remember Bob. You know, we told you before, he's over in the hospital. Should we pray for people in the hospital? Absolutely. I'm not against that. I'm saying don't let your prayer just be that. Let prayer be a time of recognizing and connecting with the presence of, of God in a way that brings transformation to your life. You know, I, we say that thing every week, and, and, and maybe that could become ritual for some of you. It's not for me, I can tell you that. But when we pray that you would be transformed by the power of God's presence, that's not some mystical thing floating in the air and hopefully it hits you. No, it's you opening your heart to receive it. You know what's amazing is that we can come into a room and one person says, oh my, wasn't God's presence there? And another person in the same room can say, I didn't feel a thing. You know why? Because the same sun that melts wax hardens clay. It's all about my response to what God is doing. 
And we need to be careful that we don't be concerned with getting results as the primary focus of prayer. The primary focus of prayer is growing in God. Number three, pray intentionally, not carelessly. Pray continually, not occasionally. Pray sincerely, not mechanically. Pray intentionally, not carelessly. Grow in your knowledge of what to pray for and how to pray. We give out a monthly prayer guide. We give out uh, missionary books that you can pray through and pray over. And the monthly prayer guide is available now online. You can get it anytime you want on the app. And I think at the website too, maybe. But there are prayer guides there. I get probably 15 prayer guides a month. Different places on the internet. They, they, I just, I get them. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't that great. I look at them. If they're good, I pray them. If not, nah, discard them. There are prayer guides everywhere today. We have so much access to things of this nature through the internet. And just make sure it's a good one. Make sure it's right. But pray with knowledge. You can pray for the nations of the world. You can pray for the missionaries that we support. I'll go through some more things in a minute. Grow in your knowledge of what to pray for and how to pray. And there's a partnership between systematic and spontaneous prayer. Typically, people prefer one over the other. In our heritage, we typically like spontaneous better. We feel like somehow if it just came out of nowhere, it must have been the Spirit giving it to us. And I'm not making fun of that because I think there's a reality to that mindset. But I think we need to have more awareness and more appreciation for those who systematically pray. For those who study. For those who know about current events in the world. You know, I, don't, I just got this feeling in my heart, God's not real touched when our prayer is, God, help all the missionaries everywhere in all the world meet every need their missionary has, amen. I don't think that really does a whole lot for us or for the kingdom. But I think when God puts a specific missionary on our heart, God, you know the McCombers are going to Israel this week. Be with them in all their travel. Keep your hand upon them. Bless those four little girls. I think there's something that happens that's a lot more impactful to the kingdom than a simple ritual prayer of God bless all the missionaries everywhere. Can I get a witness? Pray intentionally, not carelessly. Write down and develop your life prayer. Use scripture as a template. Adam Wainwright, a baseball player that plays for the Cardinals, who are in the playoffs because they have godly people on their team. <laughs> I wish it were that easy. They have good players on their team. That's why they're winning. They do have godly people too. Adam Wainwright has this as his life's prayer. It's a verse of scripture. Acts 20, 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So here's how you'd make that your prayer. Lord, help me to know that my life is worth nothing unless I use it to do the work and finish the work you've assigned me telling people the good news about the grace of Jesus. Now, I give you that as one example. Here's what I see your life prayer being. I see it being something that is a work in progress for as long as you live. 
And by the time you've been doing this for 20 or 30 years, you may wind up with two or three pages of a prayer and pray that prayer every day, every week, frequently, whatever that is for you. And if you start out with six words, that's awesome. I got six. Lord, help me to do good. For some of us, that would be a big improvement in life. Seeking God's help in the way that we live. God, help me to be full of wisdom. God, help me to be filled with your spirit. So many things we can pray. Develop a prayer that you pray for yourself every day that's more than, God, don't let me get sick. Don't let me go broke. And help me to just kind of get through life. Pray a prayer that shows your heart for God. Pray specifically for family, for friends, for ministries, missionaries, world leaders, spiritual leaders, on down the list. There's three. I'm going to take a moment right now and do this. I'm going to give all three of them, and we're going to pray one prayer together with me. I think I saw Ron's here somewhere, Ron Smith. Ron's mom passed away this week, and so the family is going through that whole process. Pray for Ron and his family that God's peace and grace would be strong in their life with the passing of his mom. Larry Johnson is in St. John's Hospital or Ascension Hospital down in Tulsa today. He's, he's in a bad place right now physically. Um, pray that God would give him strength. Pray that God would be the doctors that are working with him and that he would be touched. Sky Amberson is a young lady that comes to our youth group here. Her family's not part of our church and not actively involved in church anywhere to the best of my knowledge. And her father passed away this last week. He had a heart attack. He was a doctor. And uh, everything was, looked great. Life was great. And then without any awareness of any problem, he had a heart attack and he passes away. What a shocking experience for Skye and her family. I'm going to pray for these three needs right now. Would you just join me as we agree together? Let me do this first. How many of you have a need in your heart that's strong? And by the way, can I help all of us to do this? Can we be people who have um, intentional, quick responses let me just kind of, I'm just quick. I know I'm wrapping up. I'll be done real fast, I promise. But so often we go, does anybody have something you want to pray about? Raise your hand. It's kind of like, well, yeah, I guess. Why don't we learn to respond to God in the way we want somebody to respond to us? When I say, do you have a need here today? Why doesn't the hand just go, Yes. There's something on my heart. If it's not there, you don't have to. I'm not saying everybody in the room raise your hand. I'm saying if there's a need in your heart, can you respond quickly with eagerness as if you're saying, God, if this depends on my response, yes. How many of you have a need in your life, a friend, a family member, some need connected? Raise your hand real high, real quick, all across the room. Father, right now, I thank you that you're a God of comfort. And I pray for Ron Smith and all of his family that they will sense your presence surrounding them in a powerful way. Lord, I pray right now for Larry Johnson that you would touch his body and give him health. 
I pray you'd give wisdom to doctors and understanding. And Lord, they'd be able to bring him to a place of wholeness. And Lord, we would love it if you would simply just touch him with your power and bring restoration to his body. Lord, I pray for Sky Amberson that you would be with her family and that you would give her strength. Lord, I pray that you would be with every need that was mentioned this morning. And that you would bring glory and honor through every situation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me go super fast through, through what I got left. You got to hear this. Pray proactively, not just reactively. What does reactive mean? We wait until there's a problem and we decide to pray. How about if we prayed before the problem? How about if we go on the offense in our prayer and we attack the devil? Instead of waiting him for, to, to attack us and praying, oh God, Help. Why don't we start praying for our kids? Lord, your hand is on them. You have blessed them. You are guiding them. May they walk in obedience to you. Pray that while they're walking in obedience, not only after they've gone away. Pray proactively, not just reactively. Pray joyfully. Pray gratefully. Pray preventively. Lord, I believe your hand's going to be upon them. You're going to help them. You're going to give them wisdom. You're going to give them power. You're going to provide for their needs. Pray from a positive perspective, not just despondency. Too often our prayers, sometimes, some people, the only time God ever hears from them when there's a problem. So you know what God does? He lets problems come. He wants to hear from them. What if you prayed to God with great joy when things were going well and you prayed with a positive perspective? God, I thank you that you are faithful. God, I thank you that you are generous. God, I thank you that you are kind. God, I thank you that you are filled with grace. God, I thank you that when you look at me, you see one who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. God, thank you for who you are. Pray with a positive outlook and positive perspective. Learn to recognize the blessings of God and make them the focus of your prayer. Acts 4, 21 through 31. The apostles have been in jail, a couple of them, and they let them go. They threatened them and said, don't tell this story anymore or we're going to come get you if you do and it's going to be worse next time. And it was. They came back and beheaded one of them later on so that they weren't playing around. But you know what the disciples' prayer was? Their prayer wasn't God protect us. Their prayer was, God, embolden us. Pray and ask for the blessing of God to be upon your life and give thanks for it. Five key practices this week. Here you go. You got your notes. You can see it. Make little notes if you need to there. Look at it later today. Here's your homework assignment. Pray frequently through the day. Start your day with prayer. Pray over every meal. Pray when you start your car. You can pray for protection, but also how about a little bit of thanksgiving for a vehicle to drive? Pray frequently through the day. Look for reasons to pray. Maybe in a prolonged period of time of prayer in the morning or afternoon or before you go to bed. Use the, 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 the acrostic acts to help you pray for four specific things. Adoration. God, I worship you because you are creator of all things. You have all power. You are the eternal God. How about confession? Or there's an area of my life where I'm struggling and I need your help. Lord, there's an area of my life where I am weak, but I thank you in your promise that when I am weak, you are made strong. Show your strength through my weakness. 
How about thanksgiving? God, thank you for my wife. God, thank you for my house. God, thank you for salvation. God, thank you for my friends. People say, I don't know what to do, what to say when I pray. Keep a notebook and write down things to pray for and just pray it over again. Supplication. We just did that a moment ago. We're praying for someone else. There's two of them. Three more to go. Number three, ask others if you can pray for them. And if there's anything they would like for you to pray about. And if led by the Spirit, pray for them immediately. Now, now I want to give a little quick point there. I think it's best to pray immediately. But when you're talking like to a waitress at a restaurant, be led by the Spirit. For you to impose what you want to do and make someone else sacrifice their time is not always wisdom. But I believe there could be a time also when you're doing that at a restaurant and the Holy Spirit says, do it now. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about sensitivity more than I am a program. I like systematic. I like thinking it through. But I like also so spontaneous. And when God tells you to do it, do it. Ask your neighbor. Number four, pray daily with someone on the phone, with a text, with email, in person, FaceTime. I got two prayers this morning. One from a friend, a pastor friend in, down in Tulsa. One from down in Coweta. Both of them sent me a prayer this morning saying, hey, I'm praying for you and your church today. Can I tell you how that made me feel when I saw that text? Man, I was so happy. I text back praying for you too. Pray daily with someone every day. Number five, ask God to help you grow into the image of Jesus. In your prayer saying, God, shape me. God, help me. Here's what I want you to do right now. Just stand with me all across the room. I said prayer is all about our relationship with God. And our journey with God starts with a prayer. That's how you become part of his family. It's a prayer. It is calling out to God. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's more than just yelling a loud, you know, word or right phrase or whatever. It simply is saying this. I'm giving you a lot of accumulation of Scripture. It's simply saying this. God, I know that I can't make it on my own. I know that I've messed up. But you're a God who restores. You're a God who forgives. You're a God who empowers. So I receive your healing in my spiritual life right now. And I know that because I confess Jesus is Lord, that I'm now part of your family. And I thank you for it. That's where it starts. But then prayer is an ongoing journey. I want to ask you to do this right now. This is the way we're going to finish. Pastor Kevin will come up and give a... A, a dismissal, official dismissal. If you need to go, please go quietly and slip out, but many of us can stay. Would you just stay for a few moments? And I want to give you some options. I want you to spend some moments in prayer. If you want to come and kneel at the front, you can do there at the steps or just across the front here. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. If you want to turn around and kneel at your seat, you can do that. But some of the things that I've shared with you today from the Word of God, I want you to practice them right now. Let's don't fold up the paper and say, oh, that'll be good for next week and we forget about it. But would you right now spend some time in prayer? You guys can just create kind of a worship behind us and just softly singing. Would you right now, if you want to kneel, 
Will you kneel? If you want to be seated, be seated. If you want to come to the front, come to the front. The Holy Spirit is able to move anywhere in the building. You don't have to be in a specific location. But if you feel God prompting you, would you obey right now? Would you lift your hearts, lift your hands to God? And right now, can we make this a house of prayer? Let's pray together.